Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of the West of the Rest podcast. I am Blair Angulo, joined by my co-host, Mr. Brandon Huffman. It is Monday, August 15th. Brandon, we're at that midway point in the month of August. Two more Saturdays, my friend, until the start of college football. How excited are you? Oh, you know, nothing says college football like Dublin Island kicking off the season between both Irish strongholds northwestern and nebraska but you know what blair we don't care because it's college football it is it's like remember when the major league baseball season was starting five days ahead of the mainland games down in like australia or or japan or somewhere out there and and everyone's like still playing spring training games at their complexes in florida and arizona nothing like ireland though I mean, no. you got you got what's what's the hurt there, right? Like we we've got to start expanding. We talk a lot about conference expansion and conference realignment. Let's get some doubling teams into the big into the Big Ten. Absolutely, and I mean, with the television rights deals, it won't be long before we are introducing the University of Oxford and you know St Andrews and University of Cambridge into the American Conference because they're going to need some teams since every other conference seems to be rating them at the same time. I love it. I love it. Then we're going to have the European equivalent of Ted Lasso. Um, <laughs> you know, he's going to try to start coaching Major League Baseball or something. It's going to be uh, a lot of fun. A lot of action already beginning. Nico Yamaliava Huff, the five-star quarterback from Warren in Downey, California, the Tennessee commit, one of the better prospects in the country, in a way kicked off his senior season. And this was a big storyline because we didn't ever know if he was actually going to play a senior season. You know, much ado about nothing. He ends up starting for Warren High School, like we all thought, right? No, no, we didn't. Okay. So he was, what, at Long Beach Poly for some of the spring, but never really did any of the offseason stuff. Ended up back at Warren. And what a great way to start your season off by getting to go play a game at the side of the Polynesian Bowl, one of the most picturesque stadiums. I mean, Blair, let's be honest. When we do the Poly Bowl coverage every year and we have to cover practices at Kamehameha, do we opt to include the entire city? or the water, or both when we're doing our post-game or post-practice video? Yes, because it's picturesque. So what a great place to start your season over there in Hawaii at Kamehameha High School, one of the most scenic stadiums in all of the islands, maybe in all of the West, and to win a 50 to nothing game, which according to the LA Times uh, on Sunday, it may have been against Kamehameha's second team, so that game may not actually count towards Warren's record, but 
hey, it's a 50 nothing game, and it allows Nico to get the uh, any cobwebs that might have existed out and get ready for the rest of his senior season. So even if the game doesn't count, they will take those live reps. But Blair, you were this weekend out in a state where games do count and where games in season started and the games do matter. Yeah, the games officially kicked off in the state of Utah and, and these games counted and, and they mattered. Uh, one of the players that I made some contact with, I was able to stop by Sky Ridge in Lehigh and, and make sure I caught up with him was Tausili Akana, the number one edge rusher in the West region, a player that has basically every offer in the country that, that a top tier prospect would want to have on his offer sheet and i've got some news here huff uh this Uh article is up on 24 7 sports published monday and and you know we've got a lot of information on there so if you want the complete vip details make sure you head on over to the website and and catch up on tausili akana but the official visits are becoming very very clear he told me that he wants to go out to Oklahoma for the Kansas game. He's going to go to LSU for the Tennessee game. He's going to go to Texas for the Alabama game. The Texas A&M game that he's going to go to is against Florida. So that would be four. And then he's still deciding on the fifth and final official visit. These aren't in order, by the way. These are just the, 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 the dates or the games. Oregon, when they play UCLA, so the return of Chip Kelly, I guess the second return to Eugene, and the other school he's considering, also Tennessee Volunteers. So we're going to bring it back full circle with Nico Yamaleava. He told me Nico is pushing for him. He's making him a huge priority in this class. Uh, one of those players from the Western footprint that the Volunteers are pushing for really hard. But there's an SEC flavor there, Huff. Oklahoma, future SEC program, LSU, Texas, another future SEC program, Texas A&M, and potentially Tennessee if if they're able to knock off Oregon for that fifth and final official visit slot. Do you have any sense of, of what conference Tausili Akana might be playing as college football? I'm going to say it's the one that, where it just means more, you know, kind of like where football means a lot in Dublin, Ireland. Football means even more down in the Southeast. And, you know, it's interesting. You know, at OT7, wasn't Tosili playing with Nico on Team Toa uh, there at OT7? Uh, yeah, I know you he... had some FOMO for not being there in Vegas I that did. week, but he was on Team Toa. Tosili kind of played for a number of 7-on-7 seven seven teams this, this year, but I do feel like he has a connection. I, I do feel like the Tennessee Volunteers made a huge impression on his unofficial visit that he made out there earlier this year. And remember, this is the player that we keep mentioning as that as that recruit that took that hectic eight-day, eight-school trip. But things are beginning to narrow and things are becoming more clear. And in speaking with him, I, I, I truly think he's still weighing everything. I think he's still really undecided. I think the official visit is going to be a big part of it. I think he understands that the recruiting process right now, specifically with name, image, and likeness opportunities, with marketing and branding yourself, with you know getting a sense of what these these schools are able to offer on the field as well, right? The 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 schematic fit, the the defensive style, the future of a, of a defense. This is a very specific defender. I, I think he has to be in a role that's going to be able to use him in a very specific way to maximize his upside, to maximize his potential. Uh, he's a stand-up edge rusher who can drop back and and be 
a, a nuisance in in space. He's so so long. I, I saw him Friday, and and he was about set to board the buses to head up to North Salt Lake up at Fremont, and he's all of six four, two twenty five, two thirty. Told me he can't gain weight. And he's trying really hard. I'm like, dude, just go down the street. There's a lunch plate spot down down <laughs> here. You know, I think he'll be fine. Uh, I think he will be able to tack on the the 20, 25 pounds or so. So I think he'll play eventually at like 245, 250. Um, and with his speed, with his with his burst, with his first first step that is so electric, uh, this is a player who has all the upside in the world. And obviously that offer sheet really, really reflects, uh, I think, his potential at the next level. So Oklahoma, LSU, Texas, Texas A&M, potentially Oregon or Tennessee round out those five official visits. It's it's uh, going to be a fascinating next few months for Tausilia Khanna as he continues to navigate through the recruiting process. Oregon, you know, still in the mix there for Tausilia Khanna, but they got a bit a, a bit of a boost over the weekend, Huff, when Jerry Mixon committed to the Ducks. Yeah, that was a nice pickup for Oregon. You know, they, they've had kind of a, a little bit of a hit or miss summer where they've been in on some big hits, obviously Dante Moore. The number two player in the country was a big hit for them. Uh, then there were some misses. You know, they were one of the final two, really, for Micah Banuelos, who ultimately picked USC. Caden Proctor, Miles McVeigh both went elsewhere. But, you know, even from a, a defensive standpoint, a, a linebacker, they're in the final group for Blake Nicholson, though he might be training to Florida State, but they at least got themselves a, a linebacker. Now, remember, they're going to be losing. I mean, let's be honest. There, there's no chance. Um, barring injury, there's no chance that Noah Sewell and Justin Flo are coming back after this season. They're both draft eligible after this year. Both are you know, going to be, obviously, first-round draft picks for sure with Noah Sewell. Flo, who's had a little bit of injury issues, maybe he's not a first-rounder, maybe he's a day-two pick, but both are going to the NFL. So that means the need for linebacker depth and and getting guys to come in and replace them in the 2023 class are important. And Jerry Mixon, who at one point looked like he was trending heavily towards UCLA, ends up announcing his commitment for Oregon. He took a visit to Oregon the last week in July, was at Saturday Night Live in Autzen Stadium. And that trip really swung him back to his childhood favorite. And when they really kind of doubled down on the recruiting, you had Matt Long, linebacker, you had... Uh, Tosh Lapoy, defensive coordinator. Interestingly enough, you know, Tosh recruited Jerry's cousin, Joe. Back when Tosh was the defensive line coach at University of Washington, he recruited Jerry, or he, sorry, he recruited Joe to Washington, even though he ultimately chose Oklahoma. But Tosh got his mix in finally with Jerry and he gets himself a very athletic linebacker who we've seen a ton over the last year at numerous camp showcases, seven on seven tournaments, and a guy who I think his best football is going to be played at the league level. The Ducks add a piece on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, that's a program that has been, there have been some whispers, right, about the, their future in, in this whole conference realignment era and, and conference expansion. And will they be headed to the Big Ten? Well, there is a school that's already in the Big Ten. That would be Michigan that also has some success this past weekend getting tight end Zach Marshall from Carlsbad, California, a player who I think had been leaning, staying closer to the West Coast and, and playing maybe at Cal or maybe at Utah or you know Stanford and UCLA were hovering there in the mix as well. Michigan offered late. He was able to get up to the barbecue in Ann Arbor at the Big House, and now he's going to be playing his college ball for the Wolverines. This is one of those, I think, sneaky good pickups for, for Michigan. I think 
you know, two or three years down the road, we might be seeing him uh, on the TV and wonder how some of these West Coast schools missed out on Zach Marshall because he's a really athletic tight end, a player who has some physical upside, uh, has some versatility to him, could play a little linebacker too. I feel like if things don't work out for him on the offensive side of the ball, he's got the potential to be, a, I think, a, a playmaker on, on defense as well. So a very versatile piece there going to Ann Arbor. Well, and how many times have we seen it, too, that, that a kid from San Diego maybe doesn't get the Pac-12 attention that their ability warrants? Now, that's not to say Zach Marshall didn't have Pac-12 offers. He had, I think, half the Pac-12 had offered him. But a lot of times, these guys kind of sneak out of San Diego, and, and especially out of like the North County area, and end up somewhere and, and really flourishing. And, and you look at, you know, Eric Magnuson, another guy who kind of came from a similar area in North San Diego County, ended up being a multi-year starter at Michigan. I'm going a little bit on the Wayback Machine, but, you know, Zach Marshall was playing at Santa Fe Christian, a smaller school in San Diego. Now he's going to be teaming up with Julian Sayan, who is one of the premier players in all of college football, in all of high school football, one of the premier recruits for his senior, or it would be Zach Marshall's senior year, Sayan's junior year. And now I think we're really going to get a chance to see how elite a pass catcher he is when he's got an elite quarterback checking him the rock. So a nice pickup for Michigan, who's always done it, you know, and, and Jim Harbaugh especially, he's done a great job of eyeing tight ends, developing tight ends, and turning those tight ends loose. When they get to college, you go back to his time at Stanford. Yeah, you know, he's obviously got San Diego roots, Jim Harbaugh being a former San Diego Charger. But also, remember, people forget this. He started his coaching career in college as the head coach at the University of San Diego. So he once again goes back to the, you know, one of the nicest areas in the, I guess we'd say the Western Hemisphere, but we could just say it, the world in San Diego and gets a guy to leave the blue coastal town of Carlsbad for the blue in Ann Arbor. Yeah, so Oregon, Michigan, pickup commitments out west this past weekend. We're going to take a short break, but we will continue to preview some upcoming commitments, uh, some announcements, as well as discuss the number one player in the Pacific Northwest, Jason Brown, and the latest in his recruitment. You are listening to the West of the Rest podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back on the West of the Rest podcast, Blair Gulo with co-host Brandon Huffman. We just spoke, Huff, about Zach Marshall to Michigan. Uh, the Wolverines going down to the San Diego area to get a big commitment from a player who I think we're higher up on than than the, than the industry, than the composite uh, player. I got to see at the Redlands satellite camp uh, earlier this offseason. Really, really, really good. And... The, the, the Wolverines are also in on Kenyon Sadiq, who it sounds like could be closing in on a college choice. Yeah, you know, Sadiq tweeted on Saturday that he would be making his decision on Monday. 
I believe he's planning to do that at 1 p.m. Mountain Time uh, this afternoon. Uh, he made a top three at the end of July in the final three. And he'd be kind of working on this this top three as his final group for a while. It was the three schools he took official visits to. That is Iowa State, Michigan, and Washington. Uh, he started out with an official visit to Iowa State, took a midweek visit to Washington, then ended it with a visit to Michigan at the end of June, then named those three schools as his final three. Now, you know, Washington's recruiting him as a tight end. Iowa State's recruiting him just as a kind of a flex. Uh, Michigan, with the commitment of Zach Marshall, there was a lot of talk. Oh, well, they're done. No, they're recruiting him as a, as a big receiver as well. So Michigan will, will still will still absolutely take City. I haven't put in a crystal ball for him. This one has been, he's kept so close to the best that with all three of those three schools, I felt you know, they were all kind of dead even. And, you know, honestly, the way his recruitment's gone, it's been so unique and, and it's so close to the vest. It's been hard to find a school that I felt was the leader or was going to be the, the school that I wanted to put in a crystal ball pick. So I, I just haven't put one in because really even my gut isn't sure what direction this is going. I mean, honestly, it wouldn't even surprise me if he didn't pick a school in his top three with the way that he's kept things quiet and close to the vest. But uh, his top three, his final three that he announced, Iowa State, Michigan, Washington, all three schools, have confident reasons for forgetting him. Washington has the proximity factor. It's only seven, eight hours from his home. Michigan landed the number one player in Idaho a year ago in Colston Loveland, who was a friend of Sadiq's. And then Iowa State was his first power five offer. And Ames, you know, he, he said, reminded him a lot of Idaho Falls, where he lives in Idaho, more of a smaller town. So all three schools have reason to think that they have a, get, have a chance to get him. But we will find out later this afternoon when he makes his decision. But a top 247 player coming off the board on Monday. We've talked about the strategy for putting in crystal ball predictions in the past. And I think now more than ever, that is just, it's out the window, right? Like the reasoning and, and maybe certain factors that you would consider being big in a recruitment. Now, I think an NIL is, is such a big playmaker in the whole space that you know there there's late offers or there's late collectives jumping in or there's a there's a twist and turn that maybe you weren't expecting or in a traditional recruitment or a traditional sense you would look at a, a certain recruitment going a certain way and now everything just is all over the place so the crystal ball more more i think more so than ever is uh gonna create some he some head scratchers uh for, mm -hmm. for me specifically right when i'm thinking about putting in a pick i'm like oh i feel confident that that school is recruiting him really hard uh but then you just never know those last minute nil offers and the the collectives and all that sort of stuff it just it's a it's a wild ride speaking of the crystal ball you and i are both on usc for alani noah a high three-star prospect the number 30 overall player in the state of California, a top 30 interior offensive lineman nationally. And, and as you know, Huff, those don't grow on trees out west. Uh, mm. He's from Sacramento, California, Grant Union High School, 6'4", 320. Alani Noah also set to reveal his college commitment later this week. Yeah, he will do so on Tuesday on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Uh, his finalists are Oregon and USC. Now, his recruitment has been very interesting because he took an official visit to Oregon State back in May. Never really thought that Oregon State was there at the top of the list, but Oregon and USC were two schools that have kind of maintained a presence in his recruitment. I actually had him crystal ball to Oregon going as far back as what? March. It looked like he was going to be a duck. That was his favorite school growing up. That was his dream school. And then he went up for an unofficial visit in April during spring ball and didn't commit. 
And it looked like the two sides had kind of parted ways. So mid-June-ish, early June, mid-June, I started to see that USC was becoming a real factor for him. He ended up taking an official visit to USC. On that visit, Amos Talalele and Maca Benuelos were both on the official visit to USC. They both either had already flipped their commitment, and in the case of Amos from Cal to USC, or Micah were getting set to make a commitment to USC a month later, which Micah Benuelos committed to USC over Oregon. Micah's been adamant that he's recruiting Alani and he's trying to get into USC. I put in the crystal ball for USC, but after that visit to USC, all of a sudden Oregon got back in the picture and got him up there on an official visit that last weekend in June. So that's been the last visit that's been kind of, you know, weighing on him and that's been, you know, present in his head. So it's no surprise that Oregon State ultimately got eliminated. It's come down to Oregon and, and USC. Another one who's played it extremely close to the best. I've actually not changed my crystal ball because I still, still feel like USC is in a good position to, to land him. And especially with, you know, a couple of the players like Amos and Micah Benuelos insisting that, that he was going to be joining them, that they're, they're adamant that their recruiting efforts are going to be better than anything the coaches can do and will get him to join them at USC. But Oregon was his favorite school growing up. It was a school that it looked like everything was pointing to. So we will find out on Tuesday afternoon when he makes his decision. But Trojans and Ducks, man, you know, I've been in way too many of these offensive line battles in the last three or four months between Oregon and USC. Josh Connerly went to Oregon. Michael Benuelos went to USC. Now Alani Nolo choosing between those two schools. You know, guys, can we get some variety? Can we throw another hat in there just for just posterity's sake and also for my own psyche? But this will be one to watch on, on Tuesday afternoon. He's the, the second highest rated uncommitted player in Northern California after Blake Nicholson, the four-star linebacker out of Manteca. Uh, so, you know, with Kenny Sadiq, he's the highest rated uncommitted player in the Northwest. Two of the reasons that I, I prominently cover are pretty uh, – predominantly cover are about to have their top available players or top two available players coming off the board. And we will definitely be keeping an eye on that. Huff, uh, we're in a recession and you're over here asking recruits to buy other hats for the table. Well, okay. Listen, here's the thing. The hats that some of these recruits are buying for the schools that they're not picking are right behind the guy at the convenience store where you can buy your beef jerky, your vape juice and a bottle of fireball as well and, as and some, don't forget the skull. The, the school and you could all the school exactly you can definitely get some school maybe you can get a corn dog although in a post-covid world the corn dogs aren't spinning on that wheel but while you're there you can also get a hat that was made in 1993 by i don't know zephyr and find one of those hats and then you can return it if you have a receipt that afternoon for the 599 hat you just bought poor zephyr catching some strays out here <laughs> on a Sunday, on, west on, a, on a monday <laughs> afternoon zephyr is just you know it's bad enough that their company went under. Now I'm making fun of them in 2022. Yikes. Yikes. All right. So before we go, Jason Brown, Huff, uh, one of the better prospects in the 2024 class out West, number 22 nationally, actually, as we updated the top 24-7 for next year's group, the number two overall running back nationally. You were able to catch up with him. Was it at the FSP showcase? It was uh, at the FSP showcase, yep. And he's got... Heavy hitters on his recruiting list, but I do see two early predictions for the in-state Washington Huskies. How big of a shocker would that be if the Huskies landed him? Well, put it to you this way, Blair. I, too, at one point a year and a half ago, thought Washington might be where he ended up, and then he became a national recruit, and then all bets were off at that point. You know, it, it was granted under a previous staff, which ironically 
you know, Washington's still recruiting him. He's starting to develop a relationship with Lee Marsh. But Boise State, when you look at the heavy hitters, Boise State's there in his final five, not in his final five, but kind of there in his top five right now. It's not an official top five, but Keith Bonifa, the running backs coach at Washington who offered him, is now back at Boise State. He has stayed on Jason Brown. And Jason said that that was one of the best relationships he's had in all of the coaching relationships. Now, I don't think he'll end up at Boise State, but... I do think it's interesting that Boise State continues to make a push for him. That said, you've got the hometown school. You know, he's he's probably tired of the comparison, but it's going to follow him. He comes from the same high school that Miles Gaskin played his high school football at. And all Miles Gaskin did was become the first running back in Pac-12 history, I believe, to run for 1,000 yards in all four seasons in which he played college football. Uh, Britton Covey laughs at the fact that it only took him four years to play college football. But... Miles Gaskin played four years and ran for a thousand yards each of those seasons. And Jason Brown comes from the same high school, is a very similar runner to him and, you know, has a very similar style and how they play. But Alabama and Georgia, you know, two schools that played for a national title in, in January, two schools that have won the last two national championships, two schools that have done a great job of balancing running backs and getting them a good amount of carries while keeping them fresh for when they got to the NFL are right there. He visited both in June and he raved about the visit to each of those schools. I think Alabama might slightly have an advantage though because there's more of an interpersonal relationship he's developed with Nick Saban. You know, even though he's the head coach and he's a defensive guy, there's still, as he said, if you go play running back at Alabama, you're going to the NFL. And that's something that's not lost on a kid like him. And I think one thing that, you know, he, he's, he said in the past was that Alabama does a really good job of managing reps. And you see it where a guy like Najee Harris comes in as the number one player in the country. And it isn't until his junior year that he's the starter. You look at the line of Alabama running backs and, you know, Trent Richardson might've been more talented than Mark Ingram, but he wasn't beating out Mark Ingram. You know, it took him a year. Then you'd have the Josh Jacobs, the TJ Yeldons. You have, you know, just so many subsequent running backs that kind of had to wait their turn, but it, it leaves more tread on the tires when those guys get to the NFL. And Jason Brown, you know, made it a point to acknowledge that and say that that's something that's a big part of it. So he's the new number one player in the Pacific Northwest, uh, the new number one player in the state of Washington, the number two running back nationally. And I told him, man, when your football career is done, if I don't see you on television as a talking head, I'm going to be shocked. He said, well, I want to major in, in media and broadcasting in college. I'm like, you are a natural. So what he you know, has as a talented football player, he's an extremely talented, just great talkative kid who I think is going to have a bright future in whatever field he enters in when his football career is done. We started this podcast discussing players from the West region looking at schools in the SEC, and that's the way we we round it out. We come full circle here on this show, and, and Alabama, certainly the new era of hats, would you say? I would say the new era of hats, but also they're, they're, they're kind of like a, I don't want to compare them to Adidas or Nike of hats because, you know, Adidas had a couple dark years before it returned, but Nike's kind of, thought, they're kind of like, I don't know, maybe the Dick Sporting Goods, like they just cover it all. Yeah, no, Alabama Alabama does it all. And obviously, Jason Brown, uh, keeping a close eye on the Crimson Tide. Huff, it's been a pleasure as always. We will see you, I I guess, this week, right? Nashville, Tennessee. That's right. Nashville will get ready for a West of the Rest takeover, baby. Yep, yep, yep. That's the way we do it from the West to SEC country. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of West of the Rest podcast. 